This morning, God's Word comes to us from Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, and we're going to read just the first 14 verses of this chapter. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says... Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine on you. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of our Psalter hymnals to page 54 in the back section. Page 54, this is Lord's Day 41. And this morning we will read together questions 108 and 109. From page 54, I'll read the question, you can respond together with the answer. From page 54, question 108, what is God's will for us in the seventh commandment? God condemns all unchastity. We should therefore thoroughly detest it, and married or single, live decent and chaste lives. Question 109, does God in this commandment Forbid only such scandalous sins as adultery? We are temples of the Holy Spirit, body and soul, and God wants both to be kept clean and holy. That is why he forbids everything that incites unchastity, whether it be actions, looks, talk, thoughts, or desires. Well, we have been studying together the law of God commandment by commandment. And I hope there's two things you think about right away when we think about the law of God that we've talked about. 
The first is that the law is counter-cultural. The law often flies in the face of what our culture is telling us is okay. It is a distinct walk for the child of God. And the second thing is that as we have seen, the commandments are much broader than they may seem. We may not content ourselves with a very simple and narrow reading of the law of God. We saw that perhaps uh, in the fifth commandment we might be honoring our parents, but that command applies to all those who who are in authority over us. Last time we talked about the commandment against killing, but said just because we haven't taken someone's life doesn't mean we haven't harbored the roots of killing in our heart. Envy and anger and malice. The same thing is true as we come now to the seventh commandment. It is more than a command just about sinful acts between married people. Our catechism reflecting the word of God gives us a broader picture of what it means to keep the seventh commandment. Notice verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. All impurity. Our confession says all unchastity. Anything that incites us toward evil, whether married or single. This commandment applies to all of us because it applies to our thoughts. It applies to our hearts. All of us this morning are called to live lives of purity, lives of chastity. All of us called to avoid immorality. That temptation toward immorality comes in many forms. Paul says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. The commandment certainly does cover adultery. It covers a physical relationship between two who are married not to each other. But it is beyond that. It covers, as Paul says, the things that we talk about. Verse 4, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, or crude joking. What do we talk about? What jokes do we tell? He says, these things things are not fitting for the child of God. These things are out of place. We think about what, uh, what posts we pass along on Facebook. What are we sharing with others? We are called to be pure, to be chaste in our speech. It's more than just a commandment about committing adultery. And while Paul's, um, Paul's audience were in a culture where the written word was very important, hence all the letters that Paul writes, our culture today isn't so enamored with the written word anymore. We live in a very visual culture. And so this commandment applies not only to what we say, but also to what we see. What is it that we look at? And it seems to be so easy now to find that which is unwholesome. 
It used to be the case that if you wanted to find so-called adult entertainment, you would have to go to the more seedy parts of town and seek these places out. Now it seems we welcome this unwholesomeness into our very homes and our living rooms, in the cable channels that we watch, in the primetime sitcoms that we see. We have welcomed immorality into our homes. It's a warning against pornography. And again, it used to be the case you'd have to seek out a store to, to buy these things. Now the pornography comes in our newsfeed. It comes through our computers. Now, to be sure, the internet has been a wonderful blessing in so many ways. It's a blessing for those of us who live away from our children to be able to do Skype or FaceTime with them and see our children and our grandchildren. But with that blessing has come a danger as well. The danger for not only the wholesome activities, but for the unwholesome. All sexual immorality, all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. These things are out of place, Paul says. And I guess I would challenge particularly the men here this morning. Men, what are you taking in? visually what are you looking at all impurity must not even be named it is out of place if if we were to display our browser histories would it be that which is out of place for the child of god god calls us to purity he calls us to chastity for the root of adultery is found in the heart the lust of the heart, the lust of the eyes. It may begin visually, but it begins to take root inside of us. And all of this, Paul says, is out of place. All of this inappropriate for the child of God. Rather, we should be thankful. Because Paul recognizes that this sin has serious and often long-lasting consequences. Verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, because of this immorality, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Again, this is a countercultural type of living. Our culture says, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Don't be so hung up about these things. Don't be such a Puritan. It's okay to do it just this once. And we are deceived. By, by the wicked and false and empty words of the world around us. Because of these things, Paul says, the wrath of God is coming. It's not a small matter. It's not a, a, a light thing. But Paul calls us to avoid all immorality. Because of this, God's wrath comes upon the sons of disobedience. It's a serious sin. Look at verse 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or one who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. No inheritance in the kingdom of God when we become enslaved in these things. And notice what he says. He says, whether it be sexually immoral or impure 
or covetous, which is idolatry. Being enslaved and becoming an idolater. Children, what do we do with an idol? We serve an idol. We think perhaps it is serving us. But the reality is we are serving it. And we can so easily become enslaved. Enslaved to the impurity. Enslaved to the immorality. Enslaved to these things which go exactly counter to the call God gives to his people to live chaste and upright lives. And, and if this sin remains unchecked and if this sin remains unconfessed and we deliberately and persistently pursue it, Paul warns, we have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. It's not a small thing. It's a serious offense against a holy and righteous God. It, it, it breaks our relationship with him. We cannot have a healthy, loving spirituality with God and also be viewing these inappropriate materials. The two are in conflict with each other. It breaks that relationship. Our hearts are torn in two different directions. Not only breaks our relationship with God, but being involved in immorality, being involved in impurity, breaks our relationship with those around us. It can break marriages. The loss of trust that, that may take years to repair. We are warned, this is not a small matter, this is not something inconsequential, but it is serious. A terrible sin, a horrible sin, a sin that causes brokenness and hurt and slavery. And yet, this sin this sin, too, when confessed, is forgiven because of the blood of Christ. This sin, as heinous as it is, as powerful as it is, is nothing compared to the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Even this sin can be overcome. It is not the unforgivable sin to get caught up in immorality. It may have huge consequences. It may take time, much time to work through that. But it is not unforgivable. Notice how Paul addresses the Ephesians. Verse 7. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. At one time, you were darkness. Paul says, you lived this way. And yet now, because of the work of Jesus Christ, because of the glory of the gospel, you're no longer darkness. You are now light in the Lord. That is our hope. That is our only hope. That even the power of sexual sin can be broken by the power of the blood of Christ. When we turn to him and confess our sin and ask for forgiveness, that darkness is turned into light. And that's our hope. And that's the glory of the gospel. That no matter what we have done, what sin we have committed, when we confess to God and turn to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What a glorious message. What a wonderful call to us today. 
If we are struggling with this particular sin, enslaved to it, or any other sin, when we confess, God will forgive. When we repent, He will wash us with the blood of Christ. It's a wonderful thing to know that in Him we are now new creatures, a new creation. That's what Paul talks about after verse 8. He says, you're now in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Having known that Jesus Christ has washed us and cleansed us and forgiven every sin, every sin we have committed, even sins against the second com seventh commandment, we are no longer children of darkness. We are children of light. And he calls us then to walk in the light. Walk in all of that which is good and which is right and which is true. He says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. They bear no positive fruit. But the light bears fruit of joy and peace and love and all of these things. Walk as members of the light. He begins this section, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God himself, a God who is light, a God who is purity, a God who is holy. Be imitators of that God as his beloved children. Walk in love in the love which he himself has showed to us as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When we are tempted to return back to the ways of darkness, remember what God in Jesus Christ did for you. When we are tempted to go back to those old, sinful, enslaved ways, Remember that God, out of His great love for you, would give up His own Son, would give up His life, that you might be washed, that you might be cleansed. How can we casually return to those ways of darkness once again? We know we are weak, and we are frail, and we are so easily caught in sin. But God gives us the means of grace, God gives us His Holy Word to encourage us and to strengthen us and to remind us of our calling to walk as children of light. Such of you were this way, He says, but now you belong to the light. He gives us encouragement from His Holy Word and He strengthens us with the sacraments. Next Sunday, once again, we have the privilege of coming to the table of the Lord to take and to eat, to take and to drink, that we might be strengthened, strengthened unto eternal life. This week we will prepare to, to come to that table. We will remember the sin that still indwells us, but we will also remember the call of God in Jesus Christ, turn away from the sins of darkness.
walk in the light of God. And we say, I'm too weak, I'm too frail. Then we come to the supper that we might be strengthened, that we might be encouraged. We might be called once again to that path of righteousness, leaving behind the, the futile ways of darkness, the slavery. The chains are broken. We've been set free. And God, by the power of His Spirit, now indwells His people. We anticipate even now the joy of coming together as His people to, to celebrate what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, to be strengthened at His holy table. Avoiding immorality. The seventh commandment. Easy to dismiss if we have not committed a particular physical act. But it's far beyond that. It's what's in our heads. It's what's in our heart. It's what comes from our mouth. It's what we take in with our eyes. All sexual impurity, all immorality, and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Oh, that God might might strengthen us, might encourage us, might help us to get rid of anything which might incite unchastity and might, by the power of His Holy Spirit, strengthen us through His Word, through the sacrament, day by day, that we can live chaste and decent lives for His glory, walking not in the darkness, but walking in the light of His love. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we praise You for the glories of the Gospel. We praise You for the work of Your Son, Jesus Christ, which is sufficient to, to wash and cleanse us from all of our sins. Lord God, if there are those here this morning who struggle with the sins against the seventh commandment, we pray that You might use the ministry of Your Word today and You might use the Holy Supper next Sunday to encourage us and to strengthen us to walk in the paths of righteousness. We recognize we are, we are sinful, we are fallen, and we are weak. And yet you, O oh God, are powerful, more powerful even than our sin, even than these powerful sexual sins. So we pray for your grace, we pray for your mercy, and we pray for your strength. Help us, O oh God, to, to refuse to return to the darkness, and rather to walk in the light as you are light. Hear our prayer, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's turn to